Our scripture reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 31. You can find it starting on page 887 in the Pew Bibles. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. And when they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. And they said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was actually more than 40 years old, elderly by their standards. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your, your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> now, when I um, started writing this sermon this past week, I was sitting in my house with whatever strain of COVID-19 is going around right now, just trying to recover. And with me were mom and dad, who also had caught the plague from me. Uh, and thankfully, mom and dad got to take Paxlovid. And for that, I'm grateful. I am also grateful because my doctor told me that I was too healthy to qualify for Paxlovid. And let me tell you what, that would not have been the case a year ago. I don't have any comorbidities anymore. Yay! Which is the whole reason that I chose to have the surgery uh, June 20, 2021. So I'm so grateful. So all in all, God is really, really good to us. And I can't help but praise God today. So how are you doing? Hmm? I'm going to check in with you now. I actually want to hear from you if you have anything to say. I'm going to take how you're do see how you're doing. Take stock physically and spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. How do you feel in your body today? Anybody feeling energetic and motivated? No one. Who's feeling run down and tired? Who's aching or in pain? Jeremy looks like he's trying not to touch himself. So yeah, we know that you're, you're, you're hurting. Yeah, okay. Does anyone here, here feel strong or like you can move mountains? All right, we're praying for that too. How do you feel in your mind today? Where are your thoughts taking you when you let them roam freely without direction? Are you at peace in your mind? Or are you anxious or angry or sad? Do you fret and worry or do you dwell gently within yourself? And how is your relationship with God these days? Have you checked in with the Creator yet today? Do you naturally think in God's direction first thing in the morning, or do you have to be reminded to turn to God? Can you feel the presence of God's Holy Spirit with you at times? 
And even if you can't feel it, do you know that God's Spirit is with you still? You see, we all walk through life with God in different ways. Each choosing to go here or there with or without God's guidance. And we all have to learn to turn to God in our own ways. Because this is the journey of faith, and it is deeply personal. But I want to remind you that no matter where you are in your journey, at any given moment, you can turn to God and embrace the love that is available to you. There is no moment when you can't do that. At any given time, you can stop what you're doing and face your Savior. You can look into his eyes and you can lean into the strength that is waiting to envelop you. You're not alone. We are not alone. And so I invite you now. It's going to feel a little hippy-dippy. Just give me it. Just just let let me have this for a minute. Take a slow, deep breath. Fill your lungs with air, life-giving air. The air that you breathe into your lungs, it's, it's like the breath of God. Filling your whole being with strength and peace. Feel God's healing presence within you and around you. Breathe in. Breathe out. We are in the presence of God's Holy Spirit together in this place. And whether you can feel it or not, God is with you and in you now and always. Very often, Without realizing it, we start trying to live life on our own, don't we? We think that we have to handle everything by ourselves, and we think that we must persevere through every trial, through sheer will and personal grit. Many of us wake up in the morning already exhausted, and we think we have to push through another day, pulling our energy from what feels like the very bottoms of our feet because we have no choice in the matter. And simply not true. We do not have to face each day, each challenge, each difficult task on our own. We have the option to tap into an unlimited power source that is lovingly available to us always. You can choose to lean on God in the hard times. In fact, God wants you. All of us wants us to depend on him in all things and at all times. Hard times and easy times. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, God doesn't want to hear from me. I just say thank you and go on with my day. God has more important things to do. And that is such an insult to the relationship that God wants to have with you. God wants All of you, every moment, every thought, every worry, everything. 
God wants to lend his divine power to every aspect of our lives, and God wants us to let him take the lead in everything. Everything. In our scripture today, Peter and John were doing just that. They were allowing God to lead them in their work, to use them for their purpose of growing the church, no matter how dangerous that was. They were going about Jerusalem, teaching, preaching, and healing. They were allowing the Spirit to lead them and to use them, and the numbers of people coming to Christ were growing by the day. But the earthly powers did not like it, and they pushed back hard. <clears throat> I'm going to change the subject. For, it's going to seem like I'm changing the subject, but I'm really not. How many of you like going to the beach? Anybody here like the beach? You don't like the beach, the mountains? Some place where you go to get, you know, whatever. For me, it's the beach. The ocean seems like a divine entity all in itself. A living, breathing, contradictory force of sheer power and peace. It's such a reflection of the one who created it that it's overwhelming at times. When I go to the beach, it's a spiritual pilgrimage every time. But every time I go to the ocean, there is a danger that I am forever aware of, right? There's a force within that force that has the power to sweep you away completely against your will. You all know what a riptide is, right? It's a current of water. I just, I, I had to look it up. I mean, I knew what it was. I knew it was dangerous, but I didn't really know what it was. It's just kind of interesting. It's a current of water <coughs> that incoming water brought into the ocean shoreline by the waves and taking the water back to sea. So the waves bring the water into the shoreline and the riptide takes it back out to the ocean to start the process all over again. It's a necessary thing to keep the waters from just flooding the earth. It is a strong current that moves much faster than a person can swim. And if you get caught in one, you can grow weary and drown if you try to swim against it. A riptide is a force of nature that every beachgoer should know about and should know how to handle if they get caught in one. Most people are afraid of them. I have several friends who will not go in the ocean just because they know it might be there. But experienced swimmers and lifeguards and surfers, they all know what to do when they get caught in one, and the chance of getting caught in one does not intimidate them or keep them from going out into the ocean. Well, all of the apostles of Jesus were fighting what seemed like a losing battle. They were swimming against a riptide to try and do the will of God. The Jewish leaders did not want them to tell people about Jesus. The Roman leaders did not want them to tell people about Jesus. And let me tell you what, Satan himself did not want them to tell the world what God had done through Jesus the Christ. And every time they preached, every time they healed someone, every time they cast out demons or broke bread in the name of Jesus, they were choosing to wade out into the ocean of life, even though the powers of the world did everything they could to sweep them out to sea and shut them up. 
They were putting their very lives on the line while the world was literally against them, and still they persevered. They persevered. Do you ever feel like the world is against you? Like you just keep taking one hit after another? Do you feel like you're working so hard to do the right thing as God is telling you to do and you're just getting nowhere? <coughs> you ever feel like you're spinning your wheels trying to make a difference, but everything around you is pushing back harder and louder than you can? I imagine that if you don't feel like that today, you have felt that way before, and you probably will feel that way again sometime in the future. Because it's the nature of living as Christians in this world. It is the nature of doing God's will. You see, living according to God's will is, in fact, living against the expectations of the world. Walking with God will always take you in a different direction than the world wants you to go in. And God will often ask you to do things that should be impossible on your own. And still, God asks us to do them anyway. I want you to think about the task that had been given to that handful of apostles and disciples. I want you to contemplate the impossibility of what Jesus had commanded them to do. Go out into the world and make disciples of all people. Okay? Sure. Well, I want you to remember that at that time when they were working towards this goal, there were no phones. Hey, Janet, did I ever tell you what Jesus did for you? That wasn't happening. There was no radio or Sirius XM. There was no television. There was no internet. There were no cars or bicycles of any kind. There was no convenient transportation, let's be honest. A donkey was not exactly convenient or fast. There wasn't even a postal service. Every single person who heard the good news of Jesus had to hear it directly from one of those apostles. In person or through a letter carried on foot by another person or else no one would have heard the message at all. Can you wrap your mind around that? We, we, think, we hear that there were 12 disciples, I mean 12 apostles. I suspect that there were more. I mean, an apostle is someone who witnessed the risen Christ. Those 12 don't include all the women who witnessed the risen Christ at the tomb, remember? Or the people. There were more people than just the 12 standing in that upper room when Jesus appeared to them and showed them his wounds. But there still were not that many. And in order to get to the people, those apostles had to, had to speak to them. And they had to push against a tide of other people who were trying to hold them back. And in order to be heard, they had to speak louder than the waves of protest speaking out against them, roaring to drown them out. And still, they prevailed. In the midst of that riptide of opposition, they overcame. 
We know Jesus today because they succeeded. Amen? We know Jesus today because that small group of people doing an impossible task succeeded. So what did they do to accomplish so much with so many things fighting against them? What do we have to learn from those faithful followers of Christ? What can we do in our lives to not only survive, but to overcome and thrive as disciples of Christ? As disciples of Christ in this world that just wants to push us down and shut us up. The first thing we must do is be faithful to God no matter what. When we look at what those early disciples accomplished, we must first look at their faith. Granted, it was easy for them to have faith. They had just recently been in the presence of a man who had been resurrected from the dead, right? They had seen the wounds. They had touched the wounds. They knew Jesus. So their faith was strong. But because of the Holy Spirit of God, we also can know Jesus. Those disciples never wavered. No matter how hard they were opposed, no matter how tired they got, and no matter how futile their task may have seemed, they always turned to God, gave praise to God, and were loyal to their Savior, Jesus, in all things. That's because God was the source of their strength and power, and they knew it. Without God, they were nothing. And without the presence of God's Holy Spirit, Jesus' gift to them, they could do nothing. They understood that, and so they lived and breathed it every single day, those breaths we took at the beginning of the service. They lived and breathed breathed the Holy Spirit of God. The next thing we have to do, by their example, is pray. Pray, 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 and submit ourselves to the power of God no matter what. We should pray individually, we should pray collectively, alone and together, we should pray all the time. All the time. Our scripture today says that after Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. It is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, you said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel together, gather together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
They kept praying, and now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When we pray to God, when we take all of our concerns to God, when we give ourselves over to prayer, the foundation of the world is shaken, and we are empowered to do the impossible. We must pray. And finally, we just have to keep doing good in Jesus' name no matter what, no matter how discouraged we might feel. All we can do is what God tells us to do, no matter how futile it seems. If we're toiling away at life and we feel run down or overwhelmed or weak in the face of the tasks before us, then we might, it's not guaranteed, but we might not be doing what God wants us to do. We might not be going in the direction that God wants us to go in. And we might not be doing the good that God calls us to do. Because if we are doing what God calls us to do, then nothing can stop us. Amen? Nothing. If we are loving the people that we are called to love, if we are spreading, spending our time spreading the good news of Jesus the way that God wants us to do it, and if we are seeking to do the will of God and not our own, then in the end it is the power of the Holy Spirit of God that will move the world around us. We are not expected to have any great abilities or strength or gift of speech. Remember, Peter and John were uneducated, ordinary fishermen. And all those priests and scribes looked upon them and went, where did that come from? We are not expected to be extraordinary. We are just expected to be obedient. We are expected to trust God, to love God's people, and to live out the mission of Jesus every day. If we do these things, if we are unwavering in our commitment to Jesus, nothing can stop us. Not a strong current, not a riptide, not a tidal wave. There is no earthly source of power greater than the power of God and God's Holy Spirit. There is no earthly source of power greater than the power of God and God's Holy Spirit. May we all walk with the same faithfulness as those early disciples, those apostles, those witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. May we be inspired by their perseverance in the face of impossible odds. And may we all make our way through life, depending on the power of God to fuel and guide us 
every step of the way. Amen? Amen. Amen.